Hello, everyone. Jody Heiss here with you, bringing another edition of the Freedom Caucus podcast. Deeply honored to have you joining us today. And boy, I tell you, the entire country, it seems, is in a buzz today. We've got fantastic news coming out of the State of the Union address. Uh, Of course, I was extremely honored to be part of that uh, address. And I, I tell you, it was filled, filled with emotions filled with uh, phenomenal achievements that have taken place under the Trump administration, filled with surprises, uh, and we want to talk about that. And we've got a very special guest who I'll introduce here in a few moments. But I tell you, I don't know of a better State of the Union address. I think 2020 will go down as one of the most historic State of the Union addresses perhaps in our nation's history. And for many reasons. Number one, it was a fantastic speech. Uh, The president not only knocked it out of the park, he knocked it into the upper deck. I mean, he just did a phenomenal job. But I believe this is also a historic speech because of the days in which we're living and the divide that we are watching in our country. There is nothing, in my opinion, there was nothing in this speech that was polarizing. I mean, think of it. The president could have come in. He had every reason, every right, if you will, to come in and blast the Democrats for the phony hoax impeachment that they've been engaged in for months now. He didn't do it. Not a word about impeachment, not a word that he's acquitted and all that type of thing. He could have done so. He didn't. He did not come into this to throw any punches. He simply came to give a state of the union, and he did so in spectacular fashion. And for that, I believe this is going to go down as a remarkably historic event that took place, and I was extremely honored to be there. The president spoke with unrelenting optimism, as well he should. I mean, while the Democrats have been focused on trying to impeach the president, he has been day after day after day after day, week after week, bringing home wins for the American people. It's just a a stark contrast between the actions of this president and the actions of the majority party under the leadership of Nancy Pelosi. Speaking of which, how could we not notice her tearing the speech up last night. One of the greatest signs of disrespect that I believe I have ever seen in my entire life uh, from any member of Congress or any, any member of government in the United States for that matter. The fact that she would take that speech and understand that was not simply a speech. It was a representation of what the president believes, what has been accomplished under this president. But even beyond that, the speech represented the millions, tens and tens and tens of millions of Americans who voted for this president based upon what he said he would do once he got in office. That speech represented those accomplishments. And there is Nancy Pelosi ripping it up. It was just an enormously offensive sign of disrespect. But going back to the speech itself, the president detailed phenomenal strengths that we have in our country from the economy 
As we all know, he described it as a blue-collar boom, which it is. It's been spurred by tax cuts, uh, by the phenomenal trade deals that many people believed could never happen, particularly with China, uh, the regulatory reductions that have taken place. All those have resulted in an incredible economic boom. Markets setting record after record after record. Unemployment at record lows. Wage increases at record highs. I mean, on and on from every perspective. Another fantastic part of the speech included some of the amazing stories that the president talked about regarding some phenomenal men and women representing the best that this country has to offer. And there were many of them. One of them, a young eighth grader, Ian Lanfear, who has aspirations one day to join the Space Force, which the president also talked about. But Ian's story was amazing that he has such vision as an eighth grader from Arizona. He, uh, Ian, was joined by his great-grandfather, Charles, who is one of the last surviving Tuskegee Airmen, who was the first black fighter pilots. Uh, he had just turned 100 years old a couple of weeks ago, and just an absolute American hero right there in our presence. Sitting beside him, there's Rush Limbaugh. Uh, Rush, as we all know, fighting advanced stages of lung cancer right now, and he was granted the President's Medal of Freedom, the highest award that can be given to any American citizen, and Melania actually put the medal around Rush's neck. It was an incredibly emotional encounter. Uh, then I think the one that brought tears to the eyes of everyone in the chamber was the, uh, when Amy Williams was introduced with her two children. Her husband has been deployed to the Middle East four times. He currently has been gone for seven months. And then after introducing them, President Trump said, Amy, we have one more surprise for you tonight. Sergeant First Class Townsend Williams, your husband, is here with us tonight. And he is, uh, and, and here he comes, walking down, hugging his wife, his children. I, I'm telling you, it's one of those special moments that I will never, ever, ever forget. The night was filled with inspiration. It was filled with vision, filled with strength. It was filled with the greatness of our country, and I don't see how anyone could leave the event of this State of the Union without feeling good about where our country is and where our country is going. And that leads me to our guest who is joining us today, who is behind the scenes on the front line with the president with this whole State of the Union and, and communicating effectively. We have Hogan uh, Gidley, he is the Deputy Assistant to the President and the Principal Deputy Press Secretary. Hogan is uh, a major uh, force behind what took place last night and the ability of the President and the White House to continue communicating these incredible achievements to the American people. So Hogan, it's great to have you joining us today. We're deeply honored to have you. Thank you for being a part of the podcast. All right, listen, the uh, theme last night in the State of the Union address was the great American comeback 
And of course, the president ran on, let's make America great again. And uh, now he literally has the ability to say, America has come back. It was absolutely a phenomenal speech, I thought, and so, so optimistic. And I, I can tell you, wherever I go in the 10th District of Georgia, this is, this is the mood of the people that I hear from on a regular basis. They uh, are excited about the direction the country is going. So, Hogan, if you can, just tell us what was the president hoping to capture? What was he trying to hit last night for the American people? Well, the spirit of this country. I mean, it's the greatest idea ever realized on the face of the planet in human history. And despite what the mainstream media does with 93% negative news coverage against him, 93% negative coverage about impeachment, you'd wow. think the American people would hate him so much, but they don't. Poll numbers are actually showing uh, record-setting numbers for him, moving up and up and up with the polls because people feel at home – the real results you know, for real families. That's what this president has been able to do. And politician after politician, as you well know, uh, you know they blow through districts, they blow through states and make a lot of promises. And only in Washington, D.C. Would, would a politician who actually keeps his or her promises be uh, newsworthy. But this president has made promises, he's kept promises, and they impact real lives. I mean people are doing so much better. Ten million people – um, off of welfare, seven million off of food stamps, seven million jobs created for this uh, for this amazing country. The lowest unemployment numbers for African American, Asian American, Hispanic Americans. You heard him talk in the first part about of the speech. Seventy two percent of the new jobs created are filled by women. Uh, they are employed at record numbers like you've never seen before. African-American youth un uh, employed at record numbers. I mean these are the types of accomplishments that really not just get people talking but get people feeling good about their futures. I mean under the Barack Obama administration, any growth at all was anemic. And in fact, it was more of a, a rhetoric of just get used to these jobs going overseas. Oh, right. This is the new normal. The new normal. And he I the Donald Trump says we're not doing that. We're doing new trade deals. And I'll be danged if he didn't come in here and do USMCA eight months ago. It took Democrats eight months to even think about doing it, uh, to doing anything with it because they would rather play politics with that bill. It affects farmers and ranchers and, and, and American businesses and industry and, and companies. And it's all for their good. The China trade deal, no one thought that could get done. Uh, a deal with uh, South Korea, Japan, all of these things are going on. And oh, and by the way, he's taking out two of the most deadly, dangerous terrorists, the most bloodthirsty groups on the planet, uh, and, and showing he's about keeping our families safe, whether it be at the southern border to make sure people don't come into this country illegally and unlawfully. Or terrorists around the globe who, who threaten not just us here at home but also our interests abroad. I mean this is a man who has his eye on the ball, and, and he understands that he has one constituency, and that's every single American citizen, and he fights for them every day. Well, and that's what the people love about him. He, he keeps America first, and he's like you said, he has done what he said he was going to do. And what, what strikes me is – while he has been doing that, I mean, the, the the Democrats, as we all know, I mean, they've been tied up with one thing, uh, all this impeachment nonsense. And while they have been focused on that, 
President Trump has been getting things done. I mean, like you said, it, it's like every day there's another announcement. There's another win right. for the American people, whether it's USMCA or the trade deal or, uh, you know, all these things. Every day he's doing what he said he would do. Right. And people love him for that. And he was able to go through a lot of those accomplishments last night. How has how he been? Right. And, and when, you juxt- when you juxtapose those accomplishments with what the Democrats are doing, I mean, a brand new branch of the military. Yes. Space Force was created. First time since the, the 40s. Paid family leave. Criminal justice reform. Result after result. And the Democrats, while he's signing that historic trade deal, for example, you know, hundreds of billions of dollars of influx into this country and exports for this country – Democrats are marching over a sham impeachment uh, article with no crime alleged at all. I mean Nancy Pelosi time after time puts her own selfish political uh, wants and desires over the needs of the American people. It's shameful, and you saw that last night because after that speech, a lot of people are talking about today, she she didn't stand up and clap and say, I'm, I'm happy that – we honored a family reunited, someone fighting overseas for our freedom. I'm happy that a young girl gets uh, – who's, who's African-American, uh, uh, she and her mother wanted a scholarship and wanted opportunity, and she couldn't get it, but the president got it for her uh, to have a better education. Um, the Tuskegee Airman, whose great-grandson wants to be on in Space Force. She wouldn't stand for any of that stuff, wouldn't stand for the USMCA that she herself voted for and actually supported. Um, you know, She wouldn't stand up for record low unemployment for women and, and other minority groups. Instead, uh, she ripped up the speech. Uh, now, that couldn't be any more petulant. It couldn't be any more petty, and it exposes exactly what the Democrats are about, and that's politics and power. And if they don't have either one of those – they're just completely lost, and this president has done things they never thought possible, and it puts them in a tough spot because they're having to run against a man who has made this country way better than it was before over the last eight years, and it's his policies that have done it, showing exactly why the Democrats should never hold power. Well, no question about it. The outright disrespect uh, in tearing up, and you know, as, as goes leadership, so goes everyone else. And you see Nancy Pelosi ripping up that speech, and before that, you see an entire Democratic Party just disrespectful all throughout the speech, and you you wonder where it comes from, and you have to go back to leadership. I mean, there there it is. Sure. Uh, with with Nancy Pelosi, one of the more memorable parts, and there were several. I, I go back and. It, I think right. this was the best, and now I say, no, that was the best. I, it was out, absolutely spectacular. <laughs> but uh, the heartwarming moment with Robin and Ellie Snyder from Kansas City, little Ellie was born at just barely over 21 weeks of age, uh, one of the youngest babies ever to survive at that age. And President Trump, as we all know, just recently made history uh, by attending and speaking at the March for Life uh, he has absolutely become one of, if not the most pro-life president in history. And this is something I think that uh, goes unnoticed a lot. But there are many of us who just want to say thank you so much, Mr. President, for your stance for life. Called for the late, called for the end of late-term abortions as well uh, to Congress, and that's something else they didn't stand yeah, for. Yeah, Democrats you didn't stand for that. You, right. You can't stand up and support a young girl who was born that that early on, and because of the incredible medical advancements in this country, um, you know they're able to survive and then grow up and thrive and live wonderful lives. 
This president is the most pro-life president uh, we've seen in our history. The policies prove it. He stands up for life um, from cradle to grave, and um, you know it's an honor to work for that and see it. And I've been going to the March for Life for decades. To have a president show up and actually deliver a dr- an address remarkable. was historic, remarkable, Absolutely. and it just makes your heart it makes your heart warm to know that you know in America we. As much as Democrats want to be um, celebrating victimhood and the culture of death, this country literally stands for life. I mean when people are trapped in a a mine or a well, it's always about – we rally around that because we want someone's life to be saved. It seems that – you know, other cultures don't celebrate life as much as we do with suicide bombings and, and activity that, that is meant to, to destroy, to maim, um, you know, to, to make places so unsettling. This country's different, and, and we stand up for life. And I'm so, so thankful to have a president in office who actually uh, puts uh, you know, his money uh, where his mouth is and, and gets stuff done on behalf of the American people and for the pro-life movement, among many other things. Could not agree with you more. I know our time is beginning to come to an end here, but one of the things that we like to do on this podcast is kind of go behind the scenes, kind of pull back the curtain a little bit uh, and and just take a look behind. I, and one of the questions I had, in fact, I asked someone this morning, is how does the president and his team find these incredible men and women, uh, just amazing Americans, uh, that he is able to highlight in a speech like this? I mean, we've got... Uh, like we just well, talked about Robin and Ellen, but you've got the the Davis family. You've got the William. I mean, bringing bringing the soldier home. I mean, where in the world are people like this found? Well, the president does a lot of this himself. I mean, he writes his own speeches. It's just kind of incredible the way he actually does this for months in advance. But uh, these types of things are done all all the time in the sense that when we're out on the road, we meet people, and he remembers those stories, and he'll bring it up and say, "I'd like to incorporate that into my speech." Someone will meet, you know, uh, Ivanka or, or Jared or myself or uh, Stephanie. So I'm not another member of the team. Will, will hear about a family or a person who's going through a hardship or who's had a incredible story of being on drugs, as someone in the um, in the crowd was last night. And then they get off drugs. They, because of our programs now, can own a business and thrive. We find out about those things from a lot of folks at the local level, and we present them to the president. And um, he decides what which ones he wants. I mean, there's so many wonderful success stories across the country now, and so you know he likes to highlight them during his speech. And I don't think anyone has used them more effectively. I don't either. To to, to kind of uh, personify exactly how these policies really do affect real people. And so um, when you see that, it's it's heartwarming, and quite frankly, it's uplifting. It's it's visionary. It it, it makes you excited about the future. It's inspiring, and that's what this president's all about, uh, for sure. So, we're happy about that. And, and with the short time, I, I, I honestly, I, I don't mean to produce your show here, but I'm pivoting. I thought we were going to have a conversation about National Signing Day because Georgia apparently is number one in the country right now with recruits. I don't Go know dogs. where they're going to finish up. They'll hunker down. I don't know where they're going to finish up here, but my, all my best friends are from Georgia. I went to Ole Miss, but I've been to Athens a bunch of times, and, and Kirby's running a great program over there. So I can't wait to see what. What you guys bring to the table this upcoming this upcoming season, but uh, getting to go to the national championship game and see LSU and Clemson, and we went to the actually went to the Alabama Georgia game. I know y'all probably oh, yeah. talk too much about that, 
um, uh, the national championship game a couple of years ago too. And so um, anytime we get some SEC football talk over here at the at the White House, it's a it's a lot of fun. But uh, you know, you guys look look pretty strong this year, and I'm sure there's going to be another championship run for the dogs. Oh yeah, I think so. Well, listen, you you're welcome on this podcast anytime. But when you start talking about the dogs, I mean, you're you're welcome here all the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, Hogan, listen, I want to thank you for your time. I know you're extremely busy. You guys are doing an absolutely spectacular job. Uh, in the White House and helping communicate and keep the American people informed. Hats off to you. We appreciate you coming on the podcast. Well, thank you so much for the time and for the support. Hunker down, go dogs. <laughs> thank you. All right, folks, that's all the time we have for this episode. Thank you so much for joining us. I know you have been inspired by this program. We deeply appreciate Hogan taking time to be with us and appreciate you taking time to be with us as well. We would ask you to please take time to rate and subscribe, review this podcast. You can do so on iTunes or SoundCloud. And always for more Freedom Caucus content, you can follow along with us at facebook.com slash Freedom Caucus and on Twitter at Freedom Caucus. Hope you have a fantastic remainder of your day. Look forward to seeing you next time. <laughs>